Hello, hello, this is Tracy Harrell, and welcome to Bigger Than Me. Each week, we focus on how to achieve your definition of success and happiness. On Bigger Than Me, we bring together a combination of ageless wisdom, the latest research, and engaging interviews with amazing people who are sharing their stories to help each of us achieve our full potential. Your journey to transformation begins right now. Let's do this. Oh my goodness, I am so excited. So we're on the second hour of our uh, show today. And what's exciting, that uh, flyer that that um, was up, and I'm gonna have you put it up one more time because the, the writing might be little, but I'm gonna read, I need you to clarify the faces. So these are the guests that we had on an event. Uh, it wasn't an event, it was a kickoff of an initiative, this Bigger Than Me movement. We're calling it the Bigger Than Me Success Series. It's a six session series with the first session that occurred on 7-7. The next session, 8-8. Guess when the next one is planned for 9-9-10-10-11-11 and you guessed it, 12-12 of 2020. So we have six sessions planned that are nationwide conversations, activation points, around this idea of achieving racial equity and inclusion in business, education, wealth, and health. I'm president of the National Black MBA Association Seattle chapter. My name is Tracy Harrell. I'll be president for a couple of more weeks, months rather, as we transition to a new leadership team. Part of what I wanted to do as a part of this transition was make sure we leave things better than when I got into the role. I have legacy leaders that are a part of the National Black MBA Association that have been a part of the organization for, we're celebrating 50 years now. They've been a part of the organization since its existence. And we're still having conversations that they were having 40 or 50 years ago. I really believe that now is the time for us to change things. And so as you can look on this flyer, the handsome um, gray haired gentleman on the bottom row, his name is Bill Wells. He's one of those living legends in black history. In the first hour of the show, he, he, he provided some great insight. He's gonna be a part of this initiative moving forward. But the, the handsome gentleman uh, next to me on the top row, second one is Bill Thompson. He's president of the National Black MBA Association, uh, global, national organization. We have Dr. Jerry Burtart, uh, first row, um, lady in the middle. And next to her is, and she's a, she's a psychotherapist. She's been a part of the Bigger Than Me movement since the beginning. So Dr. Jerry Bird Tart, adore you, right? And what she has focused on, under each person's name, we're talking about their primary area of focus. Bruce is talking about equity in business, right? Dr. Jerry Bird Tart is talking about inclusion as it relates to mental health. This concept of equity and inclusion, when you're not, when you're excluded, we know there's scientific evidence around what that does to the, 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 the mind, the body. Exclusion is experienced like pain. So she talks about some trauma, not as much in this session, but in future sessions, we're definitely gonna go deeper into that. But that's part of the reason her expertise is uh, being brought to the table. Uh, Michael Vershaw is an amazing individual as well, who um, 
you know, we, we have a now a strategic partnership with the University of Washington and the National Black MBA Association, both in Seattle and um, we're building this. We're going to explore this on a national level as well. Uh, Gurmai uh, is one of our Seattle Council individuals. Uh, I don't think we're going to actually have time to, 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 we have so much content, so we'll bring him on live. I got a, a great recording uh, from him as well. Um, we have Rex Brown. And Rex, we have him, he's part of the governor's sub-cabinet on business diversity. He was actually here as an individual. He's part of my executive advisory board now. So he's here personally to provide his insight regarding this topic of achieving racial equity and inclusion in business. We have Michelle Avon, who is also another one of my favorite people. She's an executive uh, with Merrill Lynch and Bank of America, but she's also passionate around this concept of equity and inclusion. So she's around equity and inclusion now. She's like, she's a let's make it happen now influence as a part of this initiative. Then we have Sophia Bansfield. She's the youthful exuberance. She brings the youthful exuberance to this, this panel. Um, she was the uh, president of the Black Student Union at the University of Washington. She recently graduated, yay, and she's so insightful. So she also is going to continue to be a part of this initiative and bring some youthful voices to the table. So I'm super excited about that. I mentioned Bill Wells already, who's a consultant. He's amazing. Um, and then Sonia Stalling, she is president of the um, Atlanta chapter of the National Black MBA Association. So I just wanted to pause. And there are other people who aren't could even fit on this flyer who you're going to hear from today. But what's really exciting is that, thank you for sharing that, Nathan. What's really exciting is this initiative is about changing the status quo. This Bigger Than Me initiative is really about how do we create a diverse and inclusive environment where everyone can truly thrive. And what we say here is that we've reached a critical point in history. Now is the time. Status quo and doing the same is just no longer acceptable. So we're going to bring real talk and real action to the table. This is so exciting. This is what I was meant to do. <laughs> so Nathan, are you ready? We're going to have you pull up one of my favorite videos, because part of what one of my favorite people as well, Brene Brown, I'm going to invite her to join us live on the show as well. We have some clips from Brene Brown. Um, and I love the way she talks about this concept of change. She says we should own our story, both individually and collectively. She calls it the three P's. It's the um, uh, privilege, perspective, and power are the three things that she talks about. So we're going to play in the first hour of the show, we actually played her video around owning our stories, as well as now we're going to talk about uh, perspective. So here's Brene Brown on perspective. We all see the world through a lens, and I want you to picture a lens that you look through the world through, or you used to look through the world. Um, and we look through lenses of age, ethnicity, race, ability, and that's how we see the world. And then we slide in a lot of other lenses like insight, personal experience, history, family stories, and we all see the world through this unique lens. The whiter, more Judeo-Christian, straighter, middle-class, educated we are, the more likely it is that we were told that how we see the world is actually the world. And how other people see the world is another unreal version of the, of the world. That our, our view is the world. 
the thing that's hard, and the thing I think we make a mistake, even in my field in social work, we tell people that empathy is putting down that lens and picking up the lens of another person. I'm going to pick up the lens of an Asian American student who's first generation immigrant who is, we can't put down the lens. The lens is soldered to our face. That's how we see the world. So how, if empathy requires perspective taking, how do we take the perspective of other people if the lens that we see the world through is soldered to us? The answer is you believe people's stories, you believe people's experiences as they tell them to you. You believe when people tell their story and say, this is my experience of what it was like to work there. This is my experience of what it was like to be a student there. This was my experience of what it was like to be called that that you don't run that through your lens, you understand that the world that they see through their lens is as real and honest and truthful as the world that we see through our lens. And I think perspective taking, you know, there's four skills that ladder up to empathy, non-judgment, perspective taking, recognizing emotion and communicating back emotion. If you can't perspective take, we can't practice empathy because the minute we say, oh, that's a terrible story, but that's not how I see it. It's okay to have an opinion but you can't dismiss what people experience and talk about as truth. Mm, you love that? You can't dismiss what people experience and talk about as truth. And I had to play that because it's so important. That's actually what we're doing. I mean, that's what this initiative is all about. Our group, each of us, whoever you are, we played a, a video. If you haven't seen it already, it's the TED Talk around how to start a movement. Uh, look it up. It's the cutest thing. And basically, it's about doing what you know is right. It's about stepping up and doing something different. And that's what we're doing. We're going to have different conversations, real talk and real action to really change the status quo. And so now I'm going to have you, um, we're going to introduce some of the people that are going to be a part of this uh, panelist. We're going to have them introduce themselves and the question that I asked them on the kickoff event that we had on 7-7 and I'm not really calling it an, an event, right? This is an initiative. This is a this is about changing systems, changing the status quo. So it requires a level of consistency. So as I mentioned, there will be six series and then also other opportunities to engage. I'm dedicating part of my weekly show every Sunday to this conversation. I happen to be dedicating both hours of it today to this conversation. Uh, we have three books launching in the next six months. So we're obviously gonna be bringing in happiness. The first book is called Ignite Happiness. So we're not just talking about diversity during this hour on Sundays from two to 3 p.m. PST on, what is it? www.1150kknw.com. We're not just talking about diversity, but for today, since we just had a two-hour um, session on Zoom, and as you can see, sometimes when I'm talking and we're playing clips from the Zoom, you'll see the screen that comes up where there's just a, a black screen or my still picture. That's because we had some Zoom, Zoom issues, so I wanted to present this conversation in a way so that everyone was very clear um, like what an amazing initiative this is and why they should get involved with this bigger than me success series. So we're going to have, uh, Nathan, if you're ready for the video, we, we asked our each of our panelists uh, to introduce themselves and to uh, tell us what does success look, look, look like? If we're achieving racial equity and inclusion, what does success look like to you? Thank you, Tracy. Sonia Stallings, I'm principal cloud executive for SAP. I'm also the Atlanta chapter president for the National Black NBA Atlanta chapter. 
what success means to me is the same opportunity, wealth, right? Um, an opportunity for all. All right, now, Bruce Thompson, you just gave an overview. Again, Bruce Thompson, I'm interim president and CEO of the National Black MBA Association, a long-term uh, corporate uh, executive, uh, primarily in, in uh, finance roles, but in, in a set of broad business roles as well for both uh, Fortune 500 and for uh, uh, medium-sized uh, Black-owned companies as well. Thank you. Bill Wells, introduction and then what does success mean to you? Okay, uh, Bill Wells, um, uh, longtime corporate executive, um, but um, that's, uh, that just helped to get me positioned to be the consultant that I do, the consulting work that I do now. I've had my own uh, consulting practice, management consulting, for the last 20 years, and uh, with the primary focus in the diversity, inclusion, and now the equity space. Um, what what success looks like for me it's it's pretty simple and i think you know everybody's kind of gravitating around it it's a win-win um success is not something that's easily measured sometimes there's an objective measurement around um success but oftentimes it's that intrinsic anecdotal uh feeling that you get when you know that you you uh you you did you did what was you were called to do so um that's, that's, I'll leave it at that. Uh, I know you've got some more conversation to go and I've got some other points I'll make uh, at a later point, but basically it's about winning. It's about win-win for all. And that doesn't mean I win, you lose. It just means win-win collaboratively. We all move forward together. I love it, I love it. Dr. Jerry Burtart, you're the next one on my list uh, in, in the view here. Introduce yourself, tell us why you're so amazing and what does success mean to you? And you're on mute, Dr. Tart. There you go. Okay, how is everybody? I am um, Jerry Tart. I'm here in uh, Central Florida, and I um, am in private practice, executive director of my own company. I've been a uh, psychologist, psychotherapist in private practice for the last 22 years. From a clinical perspective, I can say that it has to do with how we relate to our world. But success means to me uh, recognizing our differences, but realizing that those unique gifts were given to us by God and to embrace each other as we would want one to embrace us. All right. LaPray George, you're next. Introduce yourself as it relates to achieving racial equity and inclusion in business. What does success mean to you? Yeah, thanks, Tracy. Good evening, everyone. My name is LaPray George. I'm the senior director of our chapters, members, and university relations at the headquarters of National Black MBA Association here in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, yeah, I mean, success, I definitely resonate with what the other panelists mentioned. Um, I think I'll uh, just include, you know, opportunity and equal opportunity. Um, opportunities for individuals based on their skill sets, based on their talents, not necessarily, you know, nepotism or who you know. I mean, I think there there is some, you know, space for that. But at the end of the day, it should come down to your work ethic, your your, your morals, the way that you work and, and diligently achieve a task. So I think it really comes down to you know having equal equal opportunity. I love it. I love it, Miss Patricia Davis. Introduce yourself and what does success mean to you? 
Patricia Davis with Demarche Consulting, uh, Vice President with a small consulting firm. And success to me means that this point in our time right now is historic. It's not for a reason, it's not for a season. This is a lifetime event and we need to keep it, we need to keep it moving until we, we reach the same level of, of equity that um, white people enjoy every day. All right now, Michelle Avon, what does success mean to you? Success to me is fair and equal access um, based upon your skill set and your experience. And I agree with everything else that the panelists said. Everybody has hit it spot on. I love it. Dan, Dr. Stan, the man. What yeah, does success mean doing? to you? Um, to me, success, I think, what success means to me is, I agree, it's, it's access, it's opportunity, but there's a little critical component that we need to add to that, right? It's knowing what we don't know. Um, because we, a lot of times, we don't know how to play the game. We don't know the strategy to corporate America. Um, having that preparation would help us lean towards, a, the, towards being successful. But if you gain access without preparation, then that's a blocker for success. So I think just having that information when you get access prepares you for success. That's what that I is. I love it. So Stan, you're part of the executive advisory board for the Seattle chapter of the Black MBA, but also introduce yourself. You missed that part. Yeah, sorry. So, um, Stanley Oswago, um, I am the president for Stan and Ross Consultant LLC. I am based out of Seattle, Washington, um, and I'm a food safety expert. Excellent. Excellent. Next, Rex Brown. How are you, Rex Brown? Can you introduce yourself and tell us what does success mean to you? And I know you're slightly different. So you, I have you on for a couple of different experts. You, you angle your camera down a little bit for me. You got too much broom above your head. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, I, I'm not good at technology. So you, it's all good. We're going to get it right. Learning how to be better at technology. You, you're with family. It's all good. So again, if you remember this, this initiative was around multiple systems, achieving racial equity and inclusion in business education, wealth, and health. You actually have a couple of areas of expertise related to business, entrepreneurship, and wealth. So tell us who you are, what do you do for a living? I know you're here in a personal capacity, but what does success mean to you? Thank you, Tracy. My name is Rex Brown, and I am the program director for the Governor's Subcabinet on Business Diversity and Supplier Diversity at the Office of Minority Women Enterprises. I uh, previously uh, was the deputy director for the Executive Office of Labor's uh, Workforce uh, uh, Development uh, Office for uh, Diversity, Civil Rights, and Equal Opportunity. Uh, I came to uh, the state of Washington uh, in November 2014 to head up diversity programs at DSHS and joined the Governor's Subcabinet in 2015 to do this work on a comprehensive, holistic uh, level. So I've been in uh, government uh, uh, business for uh, over 16 years, and uh, I uh, envision success. For me, uh, if I could take liberty to, to think about this a little differently, uh, I go back to, you know, when I was a child. I had a privilege to have a very strong mother and father in my life early. My dad was a voracious reader of all things Black literature and just about anything. And we used to read the paper together and uh, read different uh, stories, narratives together, and have really interactive dialogue about Black thought. And um, one of the things that, uh, a poem that he showed me 
uh, years ago has uh, stuck with me ever since uh, Paul Dunbar, uh, we wear the mask. Um, and uh, we wear the mask like grins and lies uh, that uh, hides our cheeks and shades our eyes. That is um, the old social construct of racism in the United States that I believe it will be success if we can acknowledge and abandon completely. That is the idea that we can live with 50% racism and 50% affirmative action and somehow in all of this, and uh, I think it is pretty clear that there is no freedom in it. I think it's pretty clear that uh, new generations are no longer going to accept that social construct. And that's one of the reasons why we have to continue this. Mm, love it, love it, love it, love it. Next I see uh, Michael Vershaw. Can you introduce yourself as well and tell us what does success mean to you? You also have a slightly different expertise. I have you here from an education perspective, but also you, you have an expertise in wealth as well as business. What does success look like to you? I mean, with the, my, the state of my 401k, I don't have enough expertise in wealth, um, but we'll save that, that for later. Um, but um, so I'm Michael Vershaw. I'm the director of the Consulting and Business Development Center at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business. So our center's mission is to accelerate student careers and to grow businesses uh, owned by people of color. And then I also run the National Ascend Network, which is an ecosystem uh, ecosystem approach um, running in 13 cities to support the growth of businesses owned by people of color. Um, so for me, the definitions of, of success are when African-Americans and Latinos have the same median family net worth as white families do, right? Um, blacks in this country make up 13, 14% of the population. When, when, when there are 13 to 14% of African-Americans who are CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, that's success, right? Um, you know, when, when we see, when blacks graduate high school and college at the same rate as whites do, that's success. Um, so for me, so for me, it, it, but it, bottom line, right? It comes down to, comes down to wealth, right? At this point, African Americans have family net worth at the median of about seven cents on the dollar of whites, and when when, it be, when, when we reach parity, then that's success. Mm, I love it. I love it. Sophia Bansfield, how are you? Introduce yourself and tell us what does success mean to you. Good evening, everyone. Um, thank you all for having me. Uh, thank you, Tracy, for having me. Uh, my name is Sophia Bansfield, I'm former president of the University of Washington, Washington Black Student Union, um, recent graduate. Um, to me, I believe that success is um, the opportunity to realize your full potential through um, access to education, um, job opportunities, professional mentorship, um, and things like that. I think um, when we had the opportunity to kind of explore our our skills, our knowledge, and things like that, that's when we um, can really realize our potential and, and success. I love that. One, so, don't you love that? This concept of each of these individuals having a story to tell around success. I cannot believe how uh, how amazing that that conversation was. So Nate, we have two other, um, we have another summary of success that we shared from another show. Um, do you have that one ready? I think it's row 40. If you can share that one, that would be great. Cause I think what's important is what I said I wanted to do with session number one, again, this is a six session 
series. It's a bigger than me movement, but it's important for us to really ground ourselves on what does success look like. Then we're going to talk about the key systems challenges. There's some individuals that we had to talk about systems change. Um, you can't change a system unless you acknowledge that a system exists. So ready for which clip, the success one, or are you ready for the uh, systems change one? Yep, the uh, next success success series. All right, let's do it. I think it's important. We're going to show that real quick. It's like three minutes. It's really quick, but I think it's important to continue to get a flavor, as Renee, Brene Brown says, is like hear people, hear what they're saying, and then get a flavor for what success looks like. Thank you, Nate. So why don't you answer the question for us, the concept of racial equity and racial justice. We want to start with what does success look like? Success is not a, um, a financial figure. Success is representation. It's seeing yourself in all levels from the bottom to the top. There shouldn't be a threshold that you get to and then it just stops. So to me, success is being able to see that throughout, no matter what the um, business is. It would give me the opportunity to have the same uh, assessments that's given across the board with the same level of understanding and consideration. It would look, uh, it would look like the, uh, having the opportunity to, to share my concerns and, and uh, having, having an input and know that I've been being, and know that I've been heard. Uh, to include my, um, my information, include my concerns, include uh, the significance of whatever the challenges are that I bring to the table and to be considered with the uh, same level of, of, of significance that anybody else would bring. Success to me is freedom. You know, success to me is financial freedom. It's the freedom to 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 choose. It's a fine. It's it's sleep at night, not having to worry about you know rent, not having to worry about food. It's also being able to give back. You know, I'm been in here uh, in Seattle for the past six years by way of Kansas City, Missouri. There's so many things that I want to give back, not only to this community but also take back to my hometown that they have been. Kansas City has been sowing into me. So it's very important to me to be in a place to give back from my knowledge, to give back from the things that I've received. We've got this world of everything that's happening in front of us as we get go forward in this discussion about where do we see ourselves in this unlived life. Success workplace as well as education is uh, a level of comfortability for all children as well as you know all co-workers you know it shouldn't be one group feels really comfortable in this space while the other is just striving to survive it should be um, across the board and so that is one place that we need to get for everyone to feel successful not just for one group success to me is basically being able uh, for one to maximize his or her um, potential and uh, to find um, whatever gift that one has um, inside and to operate in a manner um, of respect and dignity um, across the board. And um, racial equity and, and justice for me is basically, you know, having equal standards that are applied across the board and, and being um, measured um, by what you're able to do and not by the color of one's skin. So that's pretty much my response in a nutshell. I love that. So, um, 
Tracy, your microphone's lifted up again. Can you lower it, please? I had a cough. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So we're actually going to go to the video that's around key challenges at 121, Nate. Um, so we, we, there's so much that I, I could cover with you today, and I just want to make sure I'm laying a very solid foundation. So what we were going to share is we're going to go into the systemic change and talk about systems. And, and, and I think we need to save that for another conversation, because what I really want to do is for this to be exactly what we said session one was going to be. Right? We've had some people already talk about systems change. You have three amazing gentlemen, Michael Vershow, Rex from the governor's office, as well as um, Bill Wells again, talking about systems change. I'm going to bring them back on so we can have a deeper conversation with each of them. So I will invite them on. I think that's a different conversation. I will also post this entire, uh, all, all of the, the content, the raw Zoom with the flashes of black screens and all. We'll post that onto our site so you can just have access to everything. But what I want to share now is we talked about this is a success series. So it's important to focus on key challenges as well. Like what do we know to be the challenges? So we're going to share a quick video. Um, I don't know, Nate, if you also have the, the, the link that I shared as well, which has that, that the four key challenges, let me know. We're going to show the video and then um, we'll come back and we'll talk about these key challenges and why they're so important. Yep. So again, thanks, Tracy. Um, so yeah, so um, National Black uh, launched our Black Think series at the 2017 National Conference in Philadelphia. And those that aren't aware, wait, there's something? Oh, okay. For those that aren't aware, the, the Black Think series is our executive roundtable think tank. Uh, where issues that are relevant to the black community are addressed. And the result uh, of this particular uh, event, set of recommendations that were aimed to spark actionable approaches to the most persistent problems that are facing black professional. Um, so at our conference in September of 2017, there were about five professionals from academic institutions, government agencies, nonprofit, global corporations, and they were all there to discuss and answer the central question around why do black need to be underrepresented in the executive suite given the proven economic benefits of diversity uh, and after a series of discussions there are four themes that emerged and i'll go through each of those and provide a little bit of context and again i think all these things have already been said and this think tank that we held uh, now almost four years ago you know we we had just kind of a blank slate discussion there were no prompts uh, the, the, the themes that came out were all organic based on the conversation. Uh, so the first was unconscious bias. Um, as you all know, unconscious bias in the workplace can be detrimental to Blacks um, and an impediment to advancement. So by definition, you know, this type of discrimination happens on the unconscious level and it's sometimes hard to identify. Um, though unintentional, these issues lead to more systemic discrimination. Um, you know, if a black professional is perceived as incapable of being an effective CEO or executive, he or she uh, will stop receiving the necessary support and training that will enable them to advance to that position. So unconscious bias was one of the themes. The second one uh, was inequitable performance standards. So unconscious bias also leads to an inequitable performance standards for black professionals and when we're held to, a, to different or more stringent expectations than our white counterparts. Um, in addition to being subjected to increased scrutiny, 
the performance of one black employee can often be generalized to the entire black population. So um, obviously that theme is very uh, prevalent and unfortunate. But again, the second is an equitable performance standard. The third is a lack of strategic support systems. So uh, during the Black Think event, it kind of kept coming back to the lack of strategically aligned support systems among uh, Black professionals as a hindrance to corporate advancement. Um, mentoring was discussed as a key source of support that is either non-existent, low quality, or just not mutually beneficial. Uh, mentorship needs vary across different career stages, obviously, with requiring different strategies. So due to the general lack of support or willingness uh, mentors, or willing mentors rather, for black professionals, it's often a kind of a make do with what's available kind of a mindset. Um, those that took part in black think highlighted the fact that black professionals need to look beyond simply acquiring and retaining mentors and understanding that th there's more importance around securing a supportive network aligned to current and future needs. So having a coach and a mentor and a sponsor, that combination is really what, 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 what we found to be essential uh, for overall development. And the fourth theme that emerged was CEO accountability measures. Um, I believe Bill hinted at this earlier in uh, a couple of his comments, um, but there was a unanimous consensus at the Black Think event uh, where they believe that the responsibility of promoting and ensuring a diverse workforce starts at the top. Executives also agreed, uh, based on a 2017 study by Deloitte on accountability measures, where 70% of executives consider diversity to be an important priority, uh, and about 40% believe that the CEO was solely responsible for creating a more inclusive environment. So again, four themes emerged around, um, emerged from the discussion around why there is this lack of black uh, visibility at the top. As you all know, there's only four black CEOs currently um, in Fortune 500 companies at the moment. I think we've had many. I think there've been 12 overall ever, um, but there are four currently right now. And again, the four themes that emerged around why that persists and continues to be a problem: unconscious bias inequitable performance standards, lack of support systems, and CEO accountability measures. Thank you. Thank you so much. What I, what I love about this conversation is, or hate, I'm not sure if I love it or hate it. <laughs> I love it because it's so clear. I hate it because when I talk to legacy leaders, they say, Tracy, we've been talking about this same conversation for 40 years. A lot of them are tired. People really are tired. You know, that's probably the thing that I encountered, you know, the most that was most surprising. You know, when I when I spoke to these legacy leaders who have been in the space for a while, when I say the space, I mean in the space around equity and inclusion, a lot of them are just tired. They actually have said, you know, I, I can't I can't do this. I'm glad I'm glad you have the energy like maybe now is the time, but they're tired. And so what's exciting is I'm energized. There's a lot of also very energized people. So we're gonna bring in, bring in as many of those legacy leaders as possible, giving them as little work to do because they've been doing this work for 40 years. Now we have to give them some signs of change. It's really about each of you deciding that you want to be a part of a solution that you want to be about part of something that's bigger than you, something that's bigger than me, something that's bigger than all of us, but that really will change the status quo, real change. Not the same stuff we've been doing. Again, there's, there's a lot, a lot that we can, 
uh, a lot of other additional conversations we can have. Um, Nate, I'm gonna get you ready to play the um, the the power video from Brene Brown. It's only about a minute and a half, um, and then we're gonna we're gonna begin to close with the voices of each of our panelists who shared with us like what's next, like what conversation would you have with those CEOs, those leaders, et cetera, uh, to help move the needle because this, there is a power differential here. Power is important. And what I love about Brene Brown, just FYI, she did this, uh, I think it was like a uh, Yoram, who I'm not sure if I'm gonna get to show one of his videos today. Oh, I think he's on, on at the end, I think. Um, but he actually sent me these videos because he knew about this initiative and I just loved them. But she did these videos three years ago after Charlottesville. She said, we have to continue the conversation after Charlottesville, this was three years ago and we're still having the same conversation. Her messages then are just as valid now. She talks about these three Ps for this type of change that's necessary. Again, privilege. We didn't really get to show the privilege video, uh, but it's really powerful. We'll show that next time. Privilege perspective. And then she talks about power. I'll let you show the, the power video, thanks. The last P is power. And we hate the word power. God, we hate the word power. Um, we hate the word power. But let me, let me give you a simple definition of power for Martin Luther King. Power is just the ability to affect change. And then let me tell you about powerlessness. As someone who's spent my entire career studying shame and fear, powerlessness is the most dangerous state that we can ever experience. It leads to violence, isolation, shame, self-harm. Power is just the ability to accept, to, to affect change. For somehow, we have come to the belief, not just in this country, because I work all over the world, that power is finite. That if I share some with Olivia and Genia, that's two pieces of a pie of eight. And now I only have six-eighths of that pie left. It's a zero-sum game. But that is not power. That is power over. And power over is finite, for sure. And I think what we're witnessing across the world today is power over's last stand. We are picturing really fearful, desperate people saying, I am afraid to move from a world of power over to power with and power to, to shared power a belief in power that's infinite, a belief that power doesn't run out. It's not zero sum. There is no evidence anywhere that power over is effective because when we lead and when we act, and even when we parent from a position of power over, we by definition disempower people who have great experiences, ideas, and stories to bring to the table. You love that. I love Brene Brown. Brene, I invite you to join the Bigger Than Me movement. You're our God, <laughs> one of our godmothers of, of soul, because you just, you just tell it exactly the way it is. The three Ps, privilege, perspective, and power. Power can be shared. We each have power. She, she defines MLK's definition of power is the ability to affect change. So even if you felt powerless, I know what that feels like. It's horrible. It really is. It's horrible to feel powerless. Know that you are powerful. 
you can affect change and we are here for you. This is called the bigger than me movement for a reason. People are gonna want to be engaged in the bigger than me movement. It's just about elevating. We tell stories, we share wisdom, we elevate expectations. We can do better. We have solutions and we can co-create additional solutions. There are best practices. There are things we can do. Yes, will there be times when you feel uncomfortable? That's part of change, right? We all are gonna, if no one likes talking about this, please be clear. The reason I have two hours each week is because I couldn't imagine doing this work for the next six months and not being able to also talk about happiness and joy. I don't, um, I don't know how to encourage people to be a part of this, except to say it's for you if it's for you and you will know if it's for you. If it's not for you, completely understand. All right, this is about those first followers, those people who know that they can drive change, people that really want to do something to change the status quo. So we're gonna show this next video, um, which is really how we ended the event on 7-7. We basically asked each of our uh, panelists to, I think it's at 159, if, let me know if you're ready, um, Nate. Um, it was amazing and we just basically asked them from a closing perspective, what would they say? What would they share with those in power? What words of wisdom would you share with those in power about why this is important? And each of us are empowered because we can each affect change. So the question is, what will we say to each of you? Each of so you we're broadcasting. Nate, are you ready? I uh, just need a couple okay. more seconds. Okay, no problem. So again, this initiative, you can find more information about this initiative at its allbiggerthanme.com. We're continuing to, continuing to build out all of these resources. We're going to put them there. They're not all there yet, but they will be. The full shows, all these videos, there's tons of great content. We're going to put them onto our YouTube channel as well, which is called It's All Bigger Than Me. Look for Tracy Harrell, T-R-A-C-I, last name Harrell, H-A-R-R-E-L-L. -L. Uh, so I have two, web two, two, two um so we're going to be putting information there. It's free information. It's insights. We're going to organize it so it's easy for you to get to. Really, the this is really all about you. It's all about us driving change. Um, I think your power is ready. I don't know if we're ready. Okay. So I'm just going to, you let me know when you're ready, Nate. Okay. So what might you be asking is why? should I get involved? And what does getting involved mean? So getting involved means, like I said, there's gonna be six sessions, one every month. Uh, they're free, they're live. They're gonna be webinars through Zoom. You can find them on our Eventbrite as well and it's allbiggerthanme.com. But there's gonna be other opportunities. We're literally writing a book. Yes, yeah, 159, oh, at the very end. 159 at the end to six, to, to, to the very end, to the last 15 minutes over the, the meeting, so to the, the last 15 minutes. Um, we're changing things. We're actually changing the status quo. So the book that's being written is called, it's by the same title. It's called the Bigger Than Me Success Series. So all these interviews, all the survey responses that you provide, that's going to be part of it. But even more exciting is that each of you can, are invited to be a part of a book writing boot camp, basically. There's J.B. Owen. She'll be on our next show, our next event on 8-8 um, and we're, we're inviting we're inviting everyone to to join us um, and I think Nate's ready for a video let's see what he got should be the very end right 
how perspective works because it is so unconscious. I have a longer story. I can share it next time, perhaps about how I got to learn it um, firsthand, but you just don't know how subtle it is until you are taken from your own context and put in another context where you can metaphorically understand how perspective works and go, what does that remind me? Oh no, oh no, what am I doing? I love it. So for so, those who dialed into this call, we are at 631. I'm gonna uh, say thank you, officially in, but I'm not gonna ask anyone on this call to stop. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you guys each an opportunity to finalize this recording with any final words. This will be living beyond us. So for each of you, anyone who wants to, to share, are there any final words of action? You're now talking to the CEO of Microsoft, Satya Nadella. You're talking to the CEO of Starbucks. You're talking to, 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 to Jeff Bezos. You're talking to those executives who really can drive change. What words would you share right now to those individuals about why they should get engaged and, 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 and how to activate? May I? You may, and then each of you, please, I, I will look forward to your messages. Really in short, one is consistency. Consistency because there is a momentum of being willing to listen to the stories and that momentum is going to go away immediately if the stories are gonna stop showing up. So the longer we or you keep telling your stories, the more people are going to be able to listen to them. That's number one. And the other thing is, we got to remember, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon and we need to treat it like a marathon. It's not, we cannot go out to the street and stay there until there's change. We're going to die on the streets of old age, hopefully. Right? We got to be able to tell the story and tell the story again and tell the story the next day and tell the story again until that creates the change. I love it. Um, Gabby, I'm going to have you elevate and put all faces up. And then each person, anyone who wants to speak, please just share I'll, I'll your just, truth. I'll go quickly. This is, this is, this is Dan. Um, no, um, I, yeah, I think what I want to leave here today for everyone is, um, it's no secret that diversity and inclusion is a business case, right? It is a massive business case, um, just simply because the workforce or the workplace has to match the marketplace. If the workplace does not match the marketplace, then your business is not going to be sustainable. You know, for once that workplace matches the marketplace, you have a sustainable business because um, for most businesses, your customers don't look a certain kind of way. Your customers are, um, if not global, they represent the entire spectrum of the world. You know, so I think the businesses have to understand that and make that their core business case. Mm -hmm. I'm going to piggyback on what Stan just said. I think it's all about the business as well. But I would say that the call to action for executives is tie it to their bonuses. Make each executive in your company accountable and tie it to their bonuses. Um, I think that's the way to, um, to make an impact in corporate America. Thank you. I would like to, yes, I would really like to, to, the one thing that I think that could make a difference, uh, one of the young men talked about uh, relationships and collaboration and then working on the system. My, 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 my common sense statement to me would be, what's your emotional investment in wanting the change? You know, recognize how much it's going to impact you and are you willing to make that sacrifice 
to make it an even uh, playing field. So, all right now, Bill Wells. I'm just going to go down the go down the line here. Bill, any final okay, words? Well, yep. Yeah, real quick. Call to action. Yep. Yeah, real quick. Well, first of all, and I'm going to maybe be an outlier, but everything that we've said tonight has been said many, many times before. We all know it. And what I'm going to suggest to you is in terms of the way forward, there's got to be a paradigm shift. We've talked about seizing the moment. There have been other moments. So I think what we're going to really need to do is dig deep and think hard about what is the ask. So when we talk about diversity, inclusion, equity, we've got to be real clear about what that means. And I will tell you from my experience and all the work that I've done in the corporate sector, particularly in my consulting business, that is the one question that CEOs will ask me all the time. What is it that we're really, what we're really doing? They always ask that. I mean, all the things that we talk about, you know, marketplace matching the customer base, I mean, the employee base, all that, they know that. The, the business case has been around for years. There's nothing new, nothing novel. What we need is a paradigm shift. So there's more to that story. I wish we had time to explore it, but um, we do. We listen. This, this is one of many conversations. This is right. just a, an amazing kickoff, Bruce. I'm gonna have you go last. I'm gonna go through everyone else, and I'm gonna have you in in the conversation with the, the final call to action. The pray, George. Any any final words of call to action? Yeah, definitely resonated with what Bill just mentioned. And at the end of the day, Tracy, you said it at the very beginning. You know, we all know what the issues are. We need a different group of people saying. We can talk to each other as we do in the face, but until we have honestly more white men in this conversation, hearing what we're saying and responding to what we're saying, we'll keep having the same discussions over and over. I say make a just I want to have a more diverse uh, panel, if you will. I love it. Rex Brown. Uh, I think uh, Bill has adequately <laughs> stated business case about demographic shifts. Everybody knows it already. And uh, Dr. Jerry Tart. Uh, mentioned the and I think that is really the key that I would focus on with um, uh, with CEOs. It would be for lead any leader. It would be uh, this. Um, sooner or later, the mask is coming off. Do you want to be a humanitarian or a person who loves the human in front of you? The mask comes off. First of all, like Brene Brown, we got to be vulnerable and willing uh, to understand. I'm not going to view uh, how angry as um, but um, it is authentic and it is real. There should be a structured way that we are not in environments to enrich the lives of others, but we ourselves can be emotionally fulfilled at work as well. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I think I'll just kind of keep it short and kind of keep it simple. Um, I would just say, you know, put the collective above the individual. Oh, all right now. Is that the end of the video? All right. I guess that is. Almost out of time. So what I love about what we did today was we established a clear case for change. This Bigger Than Me success series, that was just some little clips, some amazing clips 
from a kickoff session that we had on 7-7. Again, there are six other sessions planned monthly. There are weekly engagement opportunities. There are consulting opportunities. There's a book that's being written, literally. We'll talk more about that. If you're interested, email me at tracy at itsallbiggerthanme.com. We have J.B. Owens, who has only published international best-selling books. J.B. Owens, it's the Ignite series. And what's really excited, exciting about that is we're igniting change. We're igniting possibilities. We're igniting an, a, a movement called the Bigger Than Me movement, focused on achieving racial equity and inclusion in business, education, wealth, and health. All we need is you. We have everything we need. We have the 411. This tells you how old I am. We have the 411. If you know what that means, you're over 40, I think. We have the 411, which is all of the information you need. We also have what I'm calling the 911. It's the immediate help and clear actions. Back in the day, you used to dial 411 when there was no internet for information. And 911 is clearly the number that you dial when you need help, when you need actions to take immediate help. So we're offering both the 411 and the 911 as a part of this initiative. We have a series of amazing individuals. You saw the, 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 the cornerstone of some of those people who are engaged, but there's others. If you want to be involved, email me, visit our site, contact me, whatever you need to do. We are moving this initiative forward. This work will move forward. The first video I showed was around the, uh, the first follower, the TED Talk called The First Follower. It is important that each of you focus on what do you want to leave as a legacy in your life? I mean, we're gonna be judged based on a certain point in history. And the reason that we're writing a book as a part of this process is because we want to actually leave a legacy. We want to leave the stories, the emotional connections, the community, each of you have a story. You're gonna be able to buy into a chapter. This is something that again, is managed through a whole another entity. Um, I actually went through their process. Again, her name is JB Owen. They're, it's called the Ignite series. They're all international bestsellers because we're engaging in a conversation. It's not just a national conversation. This is an international conversation. And what's really exciting is you all can be a part of it. So join us free sessions every month, 7788991011111112. And I'm using part of this show every Sunday. It's bigger than me. Join us here on KKNW, www.1150kknw.com. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. And again, all we need is you. This is Tracy Harrell. It's bigger than me, but again, together. It's not bigger than us. <laughs>